We're so glad you decided to listen to our program today. Our intent is to inform you and to encourage you. This is Are You Listening? with Jeff Archie of International Gospel Hour. In a busy world with lots of distractions, we need to pay closer attention to God. Are you listening to God's Word today? Here's Jeff. Thank you, Jay, and welcome, everyone, for our broadcast on this day. It is always good to begin our broadcast with a reading from God's Word. Let us listen to 1 Corinthians 2, verses 2 through 5. The Apostle Paul says, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let us think on this text and see the power of the message and not the messenger. As Paul, the messenger, realizes the charge that is before him, yet the weakness within him. Let us think on this text and embrace the words of the man, Christ Jesus, and not the wisdom of men. Man's wisdom possesses weakness, but the words of Christ produce strength. And let us think on this text and see where our faith should stand so our frailties will subside. Oh, what a wonderful text to preach Christ and Him crucified. Dear friends, let us go to the cross this hour. Before we begin our study, our J-Web has a special gift to parallel our study. J? Hey friends, for listening today, we'd like to send you absolutely free a book titled The Glory and Agony of the Cross. May we send it to you? Please call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and leave your name, address, and just say, Cross Book. That's it. Again, call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and please leave your name, address, and just say, Cross Book. You may also go to our website at internationalgospelhour.com, click on the Contact tab, and leave us the same information, name, address, and type Cross Book. We'll send it right away. We trust this study of the cross of Christ will be encouraging. Let's go back to Jeff. Oh, the words of that sweet hymn. Alas, and did my Savior bleed? And did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away, it was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. At the cross, my friends, at the cross. At the cross. Number one, sin was magnified. To think about the sins of the whole world, those who were living, even those who had passed, Hebrews 9, those that lived under the first covenant, and even those that were yet to be born, the sins of the whole world. There will not be one individual walking this earth before, now, or in the present, or in the future, rather, 
that does not need the redeeming cross of Jesus Christ. In 1 John 2, 1 and 2, the Bible says, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The appeasement is made, that propitiation, and it had to be so great because of the sin of the world. There could be none other propitiation that could ever be paid for our sins. Nothing else could appease God for our sin rather than Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, Paul said, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God made Christ to be sin for us. Jesus was sinless, and upon him was laid our sins. Much like that scapegoat in the Old Testament, of whom the priest would lay his hand on his head and send him off into the woods as a symbol of carrying away the sin from the people. Yet it wasn't a goat, it was a lamb that took our sin, a lamb that was made to be sin for us, a lamb of whom John said in John one twenty nine, who taketh away the sin of the world. You see, dear friends, according to Romans 5.20, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Where was that, my friend? At the cross. Second, would you consider with me that at the cross... Innocence was vilified. They were speaking ill of the Christ and slandering Him. It is interesting to note that when we go back and look at the historic time of the trial and the crucifixion of Christ, of the Jewish laws that were broken concerning the trial of Christ, among them was how Christ was arrested, and then His accusations were brought forth. Remember when they came and took him in the garden, from everything we can see within the Scripture, not anything was said. They took him. Second, he was railroaded as in the hasty manner of false charges or the insufficient evidence. And the Jewish law stated that no man could be convicted on his own words. Yet, in Mark 14, verses 60-62, through 62, Christ was crucified on his own statement when Caiaphas asked him, Was he the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Christ replied, I am. This was also against Roman law, that no man could be convicted on his own words. Innocence was vilified, my friends. He was sinless. Jesus did no wrong, but he was sacrificed because of our wrongs. In 1 Peter 2, verses 22 through 24, Peter, speaking of the Christ, said, Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Dear friends, there's so much in that passage of First Peter chapter 2, verses 22-24, through 24, 
Again, we are reminded that Jesus did no sin, but he bore our sins in his own body on the tree or the cross. When we see guile was not found in his mouth, that brings forth again his innocence. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. What all he faced and endured on that trial, even in the garden, even going back to John 13 to where he was troubled in spirit, his teaching, his praying in the garden, betrayed by Jesus, denied by Peter, the trial there with Caiaphas, coming before Pilate, Oh, to think of what all he endured and what all that he did suffer, dear friends. And he took our sins and he placed them on his own body on the tree. He did so, and I love this, dear friends, that we should live unto righteousness. He gave his life and he suffered so greatly for you and I that we do not have to live a life of sin, but we can live unto righteousness. Where did all that happen? At the cross, where his innocence was vilified. Thirdly, at the cross, dear friends, we find where the sinner was justified. The Bible tells us in Romans three twenty-two through 26 Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time His righteousness, that He might be just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus." Oh, dear friends, that's so much Scripture there. Let's go back and think on it just a little more. The righteousness of God is by faith of Jesus Christ. The righteousness of God is brought forth through the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Romans 1, verses 16 and 17, the Bible reminds us that Paul was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And therein is the righteousness of God revealed, for as it is written, the just shall live by faith. The righteousness of God is revealed through the gospel, the good news. And that righteousness of God is by faith of Jesus Christ. The faith of Jesus Christ that Paul spoke of in Galatians 2.20, when he said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The faith of Jesus Christ, also known as the faith that was preached to all the world, Colossians 1.23, the faith of which priests were obedient, and the gospel of Christ grew the church in Acts 6 and verse 7, and a faith of which we should contend, Jude verse 3, a faith that was once delivered to all saints, as we note in Jude 3, which means the faith of Jesus Christ which would be the New Testament, which would be the gospel, wherein is the righteousness of God revealed, and it's upon all them that believe. All of them that believe, and as we note from the text, that their belief is an obedient belief. They simply don't believe alone. 
but they believe in Christ and they are obedient to Him. And there's no difference for anyone. You see, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When we sin and we come short of the glory of God, how are we able to attain that salvation? How can we be justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus? Listen at that passage. Justified freely by His grace, but it doesn't say His grace alone. It says through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Well, dear friends, how am I to be redeemed in Christ? Well, we learn from Romans 8 and verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Those that are in Christ Jesus, according to Galatians 3.27, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And affirmed again in Romans 6, verses 3 and following, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Well, when I'm justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, then I see that I'm justified freely by His grace when I am in Christ Jesus, where I am redeemed by His blood, Ephesians 1, 7. Dear friends, Romans three twenty-two through 26 would be a study in and of itself. But as we continue to break this down, we realize that the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, is upon those that believe. And we understand there are those that believe who are justified, who are justified, shall I say, freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Being in Christ Jesus, what are the spiritual blessings that are located only in Christ? Ephesians 1, 3. We continue from our text of Romans 3, 22 through 26, and we see that God had sent Him forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. Aha! Here we go. God sent Him forth to be that propitiation, that purchase price, that appeasement. Through faith in His blood, when I'm in Christ, it's because I have faith in His blood to redeem me. And I can declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, remissions of sins in Christ Jesus, remission of sins in the redemption that we were justified freely by His grace. On the day of Pentecost, they knew what to do to receive remission of sins. Peter answered their question when they said, Men and brethren, what shall we do in Acts 2.37? My dear friends, in any language, 38 follows 37. And Peter said in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. I'm thankful also, according to our reading of Romans 3, 22-26, I'm thankful for the forbearance of God, that we can declare at the time His righteousness. You see, dear friends, on three different occasions, I see the word righteousness in the context of Romans 3, 22-26. It's the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, a message that was delivered. The righteousness for the remission of sins, a message that is obeyed and to declare at the time His righteousness to preach the good message of Christ and let others know that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. You see, dear friends, at the cross the sinner was justified. 
It's only at the cross through God's grace that we're able to be justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 5, 9 affirms that we are justified through His blood. And through the faith of Jesus Christ, Galatians 2, 16, and through His grace, Titus 3, verse 7, all of this attain, dear friends, at the cross. Let's pause here for a moment. Our J. Webb has a free study on the cross that he mentioned earlier. And in case you missed it, Brother Jay, one more time, please. Hey, friends, for listening today, we'd like to send you absolutely free a book titled The Glory and Agony of the Cross. May we send it to you? Please call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and leave your name, address, and just say Cross Book. That's it. Again, call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and please leave your name, address, and just say Cross Book. You may also go to our website at internationalgospelhour.com, click on the Contact tab, and leave us the same information name, address, and type CROSSBOOK. We'll send it right away. We trust this study of the cross of Christ will be encouraging. Let's go back to Jeff. Dear friends, we have been talking about at the cross. We trust that that study book, The Glory and the Agony of the Cross, will be a wonderful addition to your study. It's a wonderful book, and again, it's absolutely free. Just call us, request it, as our brother Jay mentioned. Dear friends, at the cross we have learned this morning that there is nothing better than to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified, to preach the cross of Christ, and that within the preaching of the cross there is the demonstration of the Spirit and of power that our faith should be in the power of God. We've noticed already at the cross sin was magnified. It was huge. It was so great. And at the cross, innocence was vilified. Our Lord Jesus Christ was innocent, and He bore our sins. We were the guilty ones, and He died for us. And then moments ago, we talked about how the sinner was justified at the cross. Would you consider just a couple of more with me for our broadcast today? And then there will be others that we will bring forth next time we come together. At the cross. The saved work sanctified. Dear friends, let's think about this for a moment. When we think about 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning with verse 13, or we go to about the middle of verse 13, into verse 14, we see the wording and the writing, salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel. Let's ask, how does the Spirit sanctify? How does the Spirit use the truth to call us by the gospel? Salvation is through sanctification of the Spirit. The word sanctification is a word that means to be set apart, but not only to be set apart, but to be set apart to be used of God to His glory. So many times we look at the word sanctification or sanctify and we just say set apart. But there's much more to the word than that. It's not only a setting apart from a life we lived, 
but it sets us in a place to where we can live a better life. It's through sanctification of the Spirit we're set apart and, notice, and belief of the truth. The Spirit sets us apart, if you will, through our belief of the truth, which sets us apart from the world because we no longer live that way. But the Spirit is able to use the truth, and the truth is the gospel of Christ. The gospel message that embraces His death, it calls us through the preaching of the gospel. It calls us when we are proclaimed, or when the gospel is proclaimed, it calls us, it appeals to us to be sanctified of the Spirit in belief of the truth. And it is the Spirit which has brought forth the truth. As we see Jesus instructing His apostles in John fourteen twenty six, John fifteen twenty six, and John sixteen thirteen, that the Spirit would guide them into all truth. When we embrace the gospel message and we are obedient to the gospel, we are added to the church that we learn in Acts 2, verse 47. Those on the day of Pentecost were added to the church when they believed and repented of their sins, and they were baptized into Christ, Acts 2, 37 through 41. And they are added to the church of which Christ sanctifies the church, we learn in Ephesians 5, 25 and 26. And we learn that not only does Christ sanctify and places them in the church, that we're reminded that we continue there as those who are sanctified. Paul told those in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 11, he listed those hideous sins. Well, any sin is hideous in verses 9 and 10. And he says, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified. Dear friends, they continue to walk as set-apart individuals, and that's why Paul came back to them because of their division, to bring them back to what they should be. Dear friends, at the cross, the saved work sanctified. Sanctified through, according to the Hebrew writer in Hebrews 13, verse 12, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all and through His own blood. When he was offered once for all, we also note that in Hebrews 10 and verse 10, it was through his blood, Hebrews 13, 12, that we are able to be sanctified of the Spirit with our belief of the truth as he calls us by the gospel and we are obedient. Where did it all begin? Where was it all made possible? At the cross. At the cross, dear friends, number five, love was personified. In 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4, we learn that God would have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. We think about His beautiful love in John 3 and verse 16 to where we read in what is noted by millions as the most beautiful passage, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And we are reminded of the teaching to the Christian in 1 John 4, especially verses 8 through 10, of love that was manifested or love that was proven, brought forth, and stamped with the assurance of God that this is the answer for mankind. And it's love that allows us to live. Where did all that love begin? Dear friends, it began 
at the cross. So let's bring this to a quick summary. At the cross, dear friends, sin was magnified, innocence was vilified, the sinner was justified, the saved work sanctified, and love was personified. And dear friends, we're only beginning. And as we have thought on these things, let's go back to the beginning of the lesson today. Not to know anything among us, but Christ and Him crucified. Dear friends, I need not know anything, but the only thing in that, in this cross of Christ, no matter how great my sin and how great my struggles, the cross is greater. Let me put aside that I cannot be forgiven. May I put aside how I can address things, then I'll come to Christ. What I need, dear friends, is less excuse and more cross. No matter how great my sin and how great my struggle, the cross is greater. May I embrace the justification that I cannot furnish and sanctification that I cannot supply. Only God's grace can do so, but I can be obedient unto it. And no matter how great my sin and great my struggle, the cross is greater because the love of God is brought forth. It has paid and paves the way for me to respond. Dear friends, when I come and kneel at the cross of Christ through His grace, and I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and I repent of my sins and confess Jesus as the Son of God, and I'm buried with Him in baptism, dear friends, He adds me to His church, and I can walk faithful, and I can walk bearing my cross, and it all began at the cross. The next time we come together, we're going to look a little bit more at the cross of Christ. Before we end today, I want to give a very special thank you to our brother in Christ who has passed on, Brother Wendell Winkler, for the joy of studying with him about the cross of Christ. And what I brought forth today, I am indebted to him. Let's continue our studies together, shall we? Thank you for joining me today on the International Gospel Hour, dear friends. I look forward to seeing you next time. And until then, I'm Jeff Archie. Keep listening. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We hope first that it glorified God. But second, we hope that it edified you. Listen to it again if you need to or to other lessons in this series by going to the Media tab at our site, internationalgospelhour.com. God be with you.